Something Came From Baltimore is a free podcast. Today, we are interviewing Zach Brock with his new album called Dirty Minds. Hello, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. I am your host, Tom Galker. Something Came From Baltimore is a jazz, blues, and R&B podcast, and it's not really about Baltimore. Today, via Zoom, we are traveling to Brooklyn to chat with the on-again, off-again, snarky puppy member. He's the violinist, Zach Brock. 2021, Zach Brock released an EP called Polyphony and a classical influence recording called Light Shines Through. In this recording, Zach is channeling the 70s fusion of Jean-Luc Ponty. Dirty Minds has eight tracks. It has an intro and outro and six longer progressive jams. Zach Brock, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Do you know who Winger is and do you like them? Um, I know who Winger is. I bought this T-shirt is a bit of an ironic purchase because they were so over the top. That song 17 in particular is is just so egregiously horrible and awesome at the same time. (laughs) So I used to ride around with a, well, it was the first trio I put together, cordless, you know, just uh, bass and drums. And we we called ourselves the magic number. And we used to drive around and... uh, riff on stuff like that and, and listen. And so I, I bought this t-shirt as sort of an, an ironic tip of the hat, but I have to say, you know, their guitar player, I think is like one of the greatest guitar players of all time. And actually in listening to more of their music, we came across these ballets that like, you know, Kip Winger has been yeah. doing, right? Oh, you know, yeah. you know more yeah. than it's a shock. Like, yeah. It's so heavy. Yeah. And then after <laughs> that, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm fully endorsing <laughs> he has an awesome like Botox like regimen or something because he looks he's still pretty as a like as a almost a sixty year old man. Like, yeah, he, he was just too he was too pretty. He was born too pretty. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, he, he definitely definitely has a lot of stuff going on. Did you ever see Showgirls the movie? Well, that was the thing that was like the end of the career of what's her name? Yeah, the girl from Saved by the Bell. Nice dress. Thanks. It's a Versace. It's Versace. What? Versace. It's pronounced Versace. Oh. Yes. Yeah, okay. Because Snarky Puppy is just such a crowded field. Do you ever feel like taking up marbles and just throwing them on the ground to see if you can knock some of those people out? (laughs) No. No, I don't. Uh, That's funny, though. This last tour, I was out legitimately on tour for, for eight weeks at the end of the spring, but then also before that for two weeks at the Grind Up Fest. Uh, so I was with Snarky. And then I'm adding another week in there because I got COVID. So then I was still away from my family, kind of quarantined. So 11 weeks, which is the longest run of anything I've ever done in my life. I love all of those guys in the band like more instead of less you know Mm -hmm. and even after all these years i started playing with them back in 2007 i think i found the first email exchange that i had between me and mike was i think in 2006 maybe and 
So I, I came down to Dallas and overdubbed some stuff on a, their, I don't know if it was their third record, I think, called Bring Us the Bright. First, or it was the second or third. And it was the first one that Bill Lawrence from London played on as well. And I played the solo on his song 34 Klezma that we still play occasionally. Going all the way back that far, it's been a relatively stable cast of of musicians. There have been there were some changes farther back, but definitely in the past, you know, eight years, uh, it's been really, really solid. And um, you know, I mean, one of the things that I mean, it would be great to play with them all the time, but there is also the danger of putting all putting all of one's eggs in one basket. Yes. So it's jazz it's, artists don't do that. Right, jazz right. artists don't do that. They just exactly, don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> Especially. And so it, it's really, it's nice. I mean, it sucks when the tour is over. Cause then it's like, okay, now I'm going to take a big downgrade and, you know, probably uh, pay and, you know, type of venues, but that doesn't make the exchange of energy between the audience any, any less. And of course I love playing clubs and small clubs and jazz clubs as well and i was just going to say that having that kind of you know almost sports team level roster in a band does give everybody who wants to have a solo project or who had one before they joined the band time to still work on that yeah i went on your website you have really reasonable rates for classes and then you had that like i will meet you in person that freaked me out a little so I made me think, I'm like, have you ever met someone who was just like a psycho fan who just wanted to hang out with you for an hour? I've met some kind of potentially psycho folks <laughs> along the way. Never from that, because, uh, you know, if I had, that would not be up on my site. Uh, I think that some of the stuff that's up on my site, honestly, is is a coming out of the full pandemic lockdown and, and just uh, at a certain point you know, just reaching a certain point of, I guess you could say financial desperation. Yeah. Uh, I have to say that after, after the tour, I had a lot of time to think about things, you know, not running around sort of multitasking like I do in my normal jazz life, you know, and I, I, what I'm going to be doing actually moving forward, I, I still teach occasionally privately, but it's really hard uh, I'm sure, you know, all musicians out there that are, you know, that might check this out. It's like, it's really hard to make it financially doable, you know, to because it's just, it's, it's too hard to, you can't really charge what you need to charge an hour to make yeah. a living. So it's either you charge some exorbitant amount of money that no one will ever be able to pay, or you try to have 80 students a week, which is also like, you know, game over for anything else. So what I'm going to be doing is concentrating on releasing a few master classes every year, occasionally opening up a little thing. I mean, still teach master classes out on the road. Um, that's that's a classic jazz guy move, and sometimes we do that in Snarky and any tour that I set of my own stuff. I'm I always try to set up at least one master class at a school because that always ends up paying like three times more than the club <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so I I love doing that. Um, but it's going to have to, I'm, I'm kind of focusing, focusing in on some stuff because I'm, I'm starting to work on the next record and actually a couple of different projects 
looking out over next year and uh, realizing how little time I have um, again, suddenly. You need another pandemic. So yeah, you need- I, know. <laughs> I know. And, and Hey, you know, I mean, I sure hope it doesn't happen, but we just don't know at this point. When I listen to this album, 30 minds, yeah. it, it feels like you have such an opportunity to do this live and you sell the drama. I think about Jimi Hendrix more than I think about Kip, you know, Kip Winger. Uh, just surprisingly, because, you know, yeah, I, I've never worn tights and uh, I'm definitely not that flexible. So I can't do any of the overhead kicks. Um, I could lick my violin, but I don't think that would do much for it or me or anybody else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, with the music in Dirty Minds, and the and the way I decided to just make the record the way that it was is I wanted it to kind of be like it would it would be if you heard it you know I mean obviously I could have truncated things you know and you know a lot yeah and I just sort of decided not to I mean the the album also had just sort of a a very strange back burner type thing it, it just almost didn't get done like five times and i just kept having to come back to this and just like pull its body over the finish line but i i really love it just in a way that i you know it's part of my family and the emotions that i put into this i felt i felt were very um they were very true the music was coming from feelings and then into ideas rather than okay, I'm going to have this idea where I'm going to do a song that's in 11 and then it's going to have this thing. Like all these songs had stories to me and they have, you know, they don't really have secret lyrics, but they all have stories. Uh, And and a lot of this stuff came together going out on long walks and just trying to, trying to hear where the song wanted to go as opposed to sitting down and like banging my head against the piano or like doing 15 million versions of the bridge I did a little bit of that, of course, obviously. But the other thing that I was thinking about in this record, and I know it's, it, it came out very far from what it is, but um, my hero, I mean, I, I have many violin heroes from different types of music and, you know, different eras. But the person that always comes back, I'll, I'll go away from them and then I'll come back and go and I'll get into somebody else for a while and then I'll come back. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's Jean-Luc Ponty for me. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that's so wild to me about his influence and what he did with the, with the violin in music is that, number one, until I started really reinvestigating his stuff, because I used to just, you know, check his stuff out for licks or whatever, you know, I wasn't really thinking about any uh, artistic thing. In fact, I just wanted to hear, you know, bebop and other stuff. And at the time, I actually didn't even really like the music so much. I like the playing, the violin playing, but I didn't like the music. It wasn't something I was going to put on a lot. Um, but I've, I've, I've come, you know, around to that. And one of the things that made a big impact on me was realizing that even all of these other weird early records, which I loved, you know, even the one up to Zappa and, you know, when he came over and was playing with Zappa and George Duke and all that. But from 1970, he put out a record every year from 75 to 81 and two years in that he put out two records mm-hmm. and the second year that he was he was on Atlantic he put out two records and it wasn't like he was doing one and then a live one 
it was two full studio records and then and then he took a break changed record companies and then put out a record a year again until like 1990 or 91 or two or something like that so to have that kind of creative output as an as instrumental music you know no lyrics no nothing of just like weirdo violin coming out of bebop going across uh you know whatever you want to call it jazz rock prog rock fusion you know and all that stuff he just kept creating kept creating um and so i guess as a result also everybody has a different entry point for jean-luc you know um and i'm telling this long story just to say that also thinking about the staging of this music on dirty minds i was very much thinking of i mean the the instrumentation and everything i was very much thinking of jean-luc's uh, you know, Atlantic years band, you yeah. know, keyboard with, you know, a you know, bunch of different keys and, you know, maybe even a piano in there, guitar player, bass, drums, and, you know, going, you know, seeing all, all the things I could see on YouTube and everything like that of that. I've seen them live, you know, several times too, but not from that era. So I don't know. That's, that's about as far as, you know, I might wear a sparkly shirt is what I'm saying. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the interview today with Zach Brock. Just a couple of notes, and we'll get right back into that interview. If you're a Beatle fan, and who is not, right? I am a co-host of a limited edition podcast called The Beatles Come to America with my co-host, the Beatle guru, Brooke Halpin. We review all the U.S. album releases from the past. That's The Beatles 6, 65, Yesterday and Today, and Hey Jude, and more. Patreon is out, Venmos and Cash App is in. Tips are always welcome here at Something Came From Baltimore. Check out Something Came From Baltimore, the show, and it can be found on thebox.com. It's now 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursdays for the East Coast and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the West Coast. It's more talk and it's more music. All of this information is available in the show notes. Now, let's get back into the interview with violinist Zach Brock. The album is called Dirty Minds. go into the album a little more when i think of dirty minds i only think of the prince album song so the difference between this is just really the z at the end um i know that i'm older so i'll always like a oh, dirty mind that's prince like that yeah. is prince what i love about this other than the song itself and we're going to play a sample is the video that you created with this mm. is mind-blowing and i'll tell you why one if you really want to see how things are made like you're able to see how you guys are actually like working together as a unit. And you're like, oh, that's how they're making that sound. Then you have this awesome like background. It looks like a church of something. Yeah. And then if you're a techie, you know, if you really are into tech gear, 
there's stuff all over the place that it, it's like like candy land. It's all over for you to take a look at. great to hear uh, my wife erin uh, who just came up the stairs at the beginning uh, with the coffee is the person who made that video she's a filmmaker and we had all this footage uh from from the uh you know from the sessions and then you know we cut in some other stuff you know for the for the fun of it um but she's yeah she's the the one who puts that together one of the many things that i love about working with her and uh and video and music is that she's you know she's a musician she wouldn't say that she's a musician but yeah she plays piano and flute and she was she was also a, a really serious dancer back when we lived in chicago but rhythm rhythm and the editing mm-hmm. is so it's so key yeah i mean it, it like in any music video it it the edits have to be with the groove if there if there's a groove in the song otherwise and it's like the second that i see something that you can tell that somebody put it together because they're like no but this is cool because of that but they're just not listening to the music so you know there's many decisions that that she had to make where she wanted to do something else but she was constrained by the music first mm-hmm. and i felt like you know what she what she created really had that that you know kind of head head bumping kind of a thing i i would hope uh country church to me is just like a bluesy song when it has a really nice keyboard break in the middle that was the first song that i wrote i wrote that song almost a year before i wrote any of the other songs and i'd actually even played it um with a few of my jazz groups sort of trying out you know some different things i was i was moving in this direction where I was wanting to approach this different sound, which to me was like, yeah, I mean, you know, Ponte, but not just that, but just sort of everything on the American airwaves, uh, you know, from like the mid, mid, you know, early or mid seventies to, you know, the early eighties. like the outro of Layla it has that swirling like uh jam vibe to it that is like intoxicating love it love it love it love it
Thank you. I, you know, that song, I feel like I well, my eyes well up with tears, not because I think it's great, but because it just came from a strong feeling about my daughters who are identical twins. And the idea of, the, of that song was, let's see if I can not cry in the interview, which is basically uh-huh. um, when Aaron and I became parents, we had ideas about identity where that comes from. I was very much at the time, uh, up until that time in my life, you know, a nurture versus nature. I was like, Oh no, it's just, you know, it's how you, it's how you raise people. It's the, you know, it's the family unit. It's the, the values and the, how you, you know, demonstrate life. I was all into that. And it wasn't until they were born and I met them that I, I had to realize that we all, that is all, has a big impact, but we also all come into this world with something else um, that is not imprinted from behavioral observation. I, this is my, I, I believe this. I mean, I feel like I saw it from the get-go. I mean, from, you know, they were twins and so they were a little bit premature. So they were in the NICU for a couple of weeks before we had even taken them home seeing their different personalities and observing that. And, um, and then also on top of that, as they're, as they're getting older, realizing that I'm just constantly having to figure out, like meet these new people because they're, (laughs) they are who they are. (laughs) But I think that, you know, I understand how, I mean, I know there's no way of uh, uh, protecting myself from uh, the wrath of the teenage years or anything like that, but, I do remember that feeling of trying to assert your identity and and not maybe having people, adults basically who saw you as like, well, this is how you are, not realizing how quickly you were changing. So anyway, all of that's kind of going into that song, which is like kind of the most just simple song song of, of, of the things, but um that chorus is just is all about them. They're singing that chorus in my mind. But I say it's a multi-listen uh, for people. It obviously it's, it's snarky-ish, with and it's very jammy, but it's very controlled at the same time. Uh, initially, I was like, "Wow, this has a circus du soleil vibe to it. It has a a level of theater attached to it." And I think that maybe when you get older, you need to pitch your ideas to them because I think you could do a great show as you know produced by you. This was like something on the side. It's like, this is my music. You can do your acrobatics, you know, to it. Whoa, that would be amazing. Yeah. I see that in your future. Because I was like, this has some kind of elements that I, I can I can see that you could take over. That sounds like um, a good gig, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, there's like 20 shows running at the same time. Yeah. You could at least do one show. It keeps on playing every single day for two times a day. So it's not a, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah okay so just to recap okay the album is called dirty minds it's with a z and we're talking to zach brock and um uh, it's coming it was june the third right i can't believe it yeah it's june the third yeah Crazy. well we've been talking before that and we were talking before that we just never got a chance to connect yeah so yeah, yeah i got i got your album the, the first day i was like okay i want to talk to you and then 
you know, blah, two and a half months later, we're talking. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a little strange having my record come out that had been truly the, the most intense labor of love that I've experienced so far, you know, musically, artistically created, whatever you want to call it. But um, it was, it was a little weird having that come out in the middle of the snarky puppy tour, uh, you know, as we were opening for Steely Dan, it was sort of like, <laughs> Okay, Zach's got a record. So what? By the way, we're playing with Steely Dan tonight. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Um, I'm sure that there was there was a lot of uh, excitement that I I didn't quite get out there. So I'm hoping that that uh, you know it can be a little bit of a slow burn, uh, just kind of getting it out there to people. And I really appreciate you, uh, you know, talking to me about it because I do want people to hear it. Great, and we'll get it out to the the world here. We'll get it started. Uh, Zach Brock, thank you for joining me today on Something Came From Baltimore. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. hope you enjoyed the interview today with Zach Brock. The album is called Dirty Minds. It was released on the Ground Up Records, and it's out now. The show is over. Everyone, have a great day. 